I think I, uh, I don't know. So if you find the notes, I'm just, I just have to use my backup ones now. So, hey, um, Equip Her wouldn't be Equip Her without a wee gift for our lovely ladies. Oh. And so now is the time, and I, um, and I, I'm just wondering if our um, lovely men folk with their lovely white shirts, here they come. They have baskets with a beautiful gift for you. So they're coming out now. Not everyone is here in the room, so as I'm pretty sure as people have heard the word gift, they've come running, they're coming in. Hey, um, how amazing is Esther um, Greenwood? Esther Greenwood? She is just so cool. <laughs> She's talking to Rachel on the front row. She's not listening. It's okay, it's okay, it's totally okay. Oh my gosh, don't ask me to tell you a joke. It'll be really long and then we'll be over time and then, and yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> and actually we've got, we've got such a great session. This session is so awesome. We've had um, Pastor Karen Malcolm fly in from Christchurch and, and um, it is so, so cool that she is here. I'm very excited, but I will introduce her soon, later. Cool? you are receiving your wee little gift, I just, I guess I just want to remind you that we love to give and we like to receive and, and some of you I know are gift people, eh? Some of you, your love language is gift. I think that's my second Loves gifts. Anyone that wants to bless Hannah Hooker, feel free. You are welcome. Bless her with gifts. She loves gifts. She's like, it was her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Hannah. We love you, Hannah. We think you're awesome. Is anyone still waiting on a wee gift? No, awesome, I can move on into the next thing that I, I just want to let you know. Next year, we've already finalised our dates for Equip Her. We are Equip Her in Wellington again, so that's pretty cool, 17th and 18th of March next year. So, this is the cool bit. Oh. Oh, gosh. 16th and 17th of March next year. Yes, indeed. 16th and 17th, of, this is the cool bit. For this weekend only, you can register for $40. That is such a bargain. And it is also so awesome because I know that every single one of you has probably thought, oh, it'd be so cool if so-and-so was here, or it'd be so cool if they had come, or I reckon they would really benefit from being at Equip Her. Oh my goodness, I would pay $40 again to hear Esther and only Esther. Open my heart again. That's how I feel. I, you know, I just think it's awesome. And I think, you know, we go away for the year, and you know, the year is good, and we go to church, and and God speaks to us and stuff like that. But there's something so powerful about coming together. We have to remember, we have to remember next year how good it was last year. You have to remind yourself, it's good. It's so good. So anyway, 
register yourself. Oh, actually, do you know what? Our guys, they are working so hard. They are handing out registration little slips of paper for you so that you can fill it out now. There's only a couple of questions to fill out, and then you just take it to the rego table and pay your $40, and then it's done. But don't just register yourself. Register someone else. In faith. In faith. And you know what? If you can't come next year, give your ticket away. Bless someone. It's only $40. Only $40. So that's very cool. So why don't you take those things, those, fill them out now. Oh, sorry, guys. You're doing so good. I'm, I'm making you work so hard with buckets and leaflets and all sorts of stuff. Very cool. I'm just going to give them a wee minute to hand those things out because then we're going to move on with our um, session. Hey? No, I'm not going to say a joke. I don't have any jokes that aren't... Long. No, I don't... So the pure, all things are pure. Awesome. So they're, I think, they're just about done. So while they're handing out those forms, there's just a few more people that have to get forms. I would love to welcome to our stage, Rachel Sutherland. Please, could you come up? Cool. cool, thank you. Um, and just while we're doing that, can I also bring up some lovely ladies that I've invited? Um, Amanda, Emma, and Tans. Also, can you come up? Thank you. Thank you. Here they all are, lovely. Um, so this session is, you know, we're just going to sit down a little bit. I'm getting a bit old, I get sore knees, so I've asked them to bring some stools. Nah, just kidding. Um, just a little bit of a bit more casual style for us today. But um, what I wanted to talk to you today is about is um, Beyond Her. So you know that we've, we usually do equip her. We all come together and we are incredibly blessed over the weekend. Um, and this year we've decided to take it a little bit further than us, take it a little bit further than equip her and go Beyond Her. So I want to talk a little bit about some of that today, um, and I've asked them, some of these girls to come and talk um, a little bit about what's on their heart as well. And when I say a little bit, because it is just going to be a little short section, just to keep you occupied, like your um, advert-type attention span thing. Yeah, it's gonna be, except for me, because I just start talking and never stop talking. <laughs> um, so my name's Rachel. Yeah, you heard it here first. Um, so Equip Her, you know, it's, um, I, I love the vision of Equip Her. It's about equipping and empowering everyday women. And that's us um, to live extraordinary, extraordinary lives. And I think sometimes we forget that part, the extraordinary life part. And I think sometimes thinking about living an extraordinary life can be so massive. And we just get terrified and we run away and hide under our rocks. Um, so some of that I'm going to break down for you today as well. Um, and I love what Esther said, and what I love about Equip Her, before I get on to what Esther said, what I love about Equip Her is that you can really clearly hear what God's heart is for us in a nice little compressed couple of days. Um, the messages all align. I love how God works when all of the messages align, um, and you kind of get a sentence or even just a word or a, um, like a, a feeling that comes out of everybody's, um, what everyone says, and you kind of go away knowing what God's heart for you is. So... Um, that's one of the things that Pastor Esther was talking about, was that we're not here to do this alone, and that's what Equip Her is about. It's about bringing us all together for a weekend to encourage each other, to inspire each other, to give each other hugs, um, and build each other up, and then send ourselves out into the, into the world to take on the world, or to be, you know, to, to bring a blessing to the world. Um, and we love it, don't we? We get pampered, we get beautiful gifts, there's lovely treats, um, there's beautiful women. We've got amazing, amazing speakers who have some amazing teaching for us. I just, I just love it, and I feel so blessed. Um, and then by Monday, it's all started to leak out a little bit because the kids are trying to get, you've got to get them back to wherever you've been. If you've been away for the weekend, you've got to drive home, and then there's this traffic. And then there's, but you know, it can start to eke out a little bit. So by Wednesday, someone would say to me, "How was your weekend?" Well, they probably don't because who says that on a Wednesday? But um, and you kind of, I have to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had an amazing conference in the weekend. But, you know, you have to kind of sum it up from the pits of busyness. 
Um, but so this is the thing about Beyond Her, and it's something that we want to do. We want to be able to take it away from the weekend and hold on to what God's doing in your hearts this weekend. Hold on to it. Take it out. Make it last a bit longer. So you've got on your seats these awesome um, little prayer cards. Um, oh, yeah, I skipped a little paragraph. Um, so you've got these beautiful prayer cards on them. It's really super easy because on the back, on the back or the front, on the front of it, um, is a little weekly, it's a, it's a wee schedule for the weekend about who you can be praying for, who you can be thinking, for, thinking about. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that when I go back to my paragraph that I skipped out. But, um, but it's a way for us to be able to at least hold on to it for just a week. And I tell you, no, stop. But I tell you that if you, if, you do, if, you, if you do this, if you pray into this, God will do something in your heart. I guarantee it. If you, some of you are prayers, and some of you can pray for days, and that's awesome. Oh, and talk for days. Some of you can pray for days, and that is really awesome. But for some of you, that's not, um, that's not a habit that you've developed properly or that you're holding on to. And so this is this, not my phone, not all these other things. This card will help you to do that. This will help you, and it'll give you something to pray about, but I promise you that God will do something in your heart. So, you know, this week, this weekend, we're blessing Women's Refuge. We've got our little buckets. If you've bought something along, that's great. We've got a couple of hours today. There might be something that you want to buy at our stalls that you drop into the bucket as well. I don't know. Maybe you want to register a couple of women and drop those into the bucket. Who knows? But also, we're looking for toiletries um, or clothing vouchers. So, if you've got some time at lunchtime, please do go and buy something. Drop it into those buckets. Or we'll even take a cash donation and buy them on your behalf throughout, throughout the week. We'll go and do that delivery earlier this week. But it's about, um, it is about looking beyond ourselves. So this weekend we've chosen this, but over the week when you start praying and using this card, you'll find other things that you want to pray about. And um, yeah, and that will be the start of your extraordinary life. Um, I'm gonna, actually going to skip pretty much what I had on the rest of my card. But, um, but what I wanted to do, and I've asked these three beautiful girls to come up and talk a little bit about it, because I want to assure you, you don't have to be a superhuman to live an everyday life. You don't have to be somebody who dreams these massive, massive dreams. It's awesome if you are that person, but you don't have to be that massive dreamer. You can be an ordinary woman, just like me, just like my friends here. You know, at Equippers, we're, we're really good at saying, we've got these three amazing women here, and they are, I assure you, they're amazing. But they're also ordinary. They're my ordinary, really good friends who have amazing burdens on their hearts. Um, and so that's what I've invited them up here to tell you about. Um, yeah. That's really all I want to say, so. Amanda. Dana, I just wasted 20 seconds. <laughs> um, so, the last, coming up April, I would have had three children in a space of four years. And so the last four years, my world has just completely flipped and turned upside down and changed, um, not for the worse, and I'd say definitely for the better, but there's, to me, there's been nothing more challenging than being pregnant, there's nothing more challenging than having young children, and there's nothing more challenging than having three of them. Um, and there's, throughout that period, I've had bouts of postnatal depression and anxiety, which I've never experienced in my entire life. It's not in my family history, um, so no experience of it within my family either. And I've had chronic um, bad sinuses, and that's really bad headaches. Um, not migraine style, didn't take me to bed, but headaches aren't cool, and they make me worry about what might be there that's not which doesn't help with things like anxiety, etc. Um, and it's the thing for me that I've had to really focus on is I have to overcome this for my children, for my husband, and for myself, and for the people around me. And Jesus is who has pulled me through. It's not. It's being able to focus on Him. In my darkest hours, all I could do was worship. And even then I couldn't sing, all I could do was use words. And my heart's desire this year, has, and it's, been, it's, a, it's a theme in my life, I really, really love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, he is just so awesome. He, is, he captivates me, he speaks to me, he comforts me, he protects me, and... It's, I want, I, my desire is that I would hear him and I would speak and this, the words would change atmospheres, the words would change lives. 
I'd be sitting down with my friend with her other children and in between wiping noses and changing a nappy and telling off a toddler the words I say would bring impact and power. Do you know, my times, you know, the times that I'm available are so different to the times that these three women are available. And so I have to, I have to just work with what God gives me and who God gives me and when he gives them to me. And my prayer this year has been that I would know where God is, that I would see him walking around the room, that I'd hear him speaking to a person, and that I would be able to be his follow-up person. Because... In all reality, my focus and my time and my energy is at home. But in my prayer life and when I'm with someone, I can have impact and power. And that's how I see beyond myself and I'm able to use where I'm at to be that impact. And that's the heart that God's given me, just to know where he is. And in the mornings when I pray, I just allow him to drop people into my spirit and I pray for them and I text them or I message them and I let them know what it is I'm praying. And that just, that's where I'm at. That's the time I have that's, and that's what I do and that's how I, I use what I've got to bless. Yeah. With that three minutes. <laughs> Um, I guess for me over the past couple of years I've really had a burden for social justice issues. So I guess my first introduction to social justice was when I was just going through Facebook and I saw um, an article around ethical clothing. So I clicked on it, went all through it, and actually it was, it was raising awareness about kind of un, unsafe working conditions and child labour. And I remember reading that article and then having that realisation and being astounded around the fact that most of the shops that I shopped at were actually exploiting humans just so that I could get another dress at a really cheap cost. And once I knew that, I couldn't unknow that. And I made the personal decision on that day to stop buying clothing that was exploiting humans and I decided to buy fair trade clothing. And actually it's been pretty easy because a dress is just a dress. And then it transferred to cosmetics. <laughs> And I became aware of the big brands that still continue to use animal testing, and so I made the decision now to buy cruelty-free. And I guess across this process, I slowly and painfully at times, actually, became more and more aware of the injustice around me. And I realized that I needed to be active in my response to things that were wrong in the world. And I felt God challenge me with this question. What am I not seeing? So for those of you who don't know, I work as a psychologist in a child mental health service in our community. And I guess every day I come into contact with vulnerable people who are reaching out for help. And I'm really fortunate to be able to help these families in a professional capacity. But the more I worked in the community, the more I realized that there are so many needs of those every day. And something very real to our community is domestic violence. It's been classed as one of New Zealand's most serious social issues at the moment. And I, unfortunately, I encounter it on a daily basis in my job. You know, statistics show that three out of 10 women will experience violence in relationships at some point. Last year in New Zealand, there were over 30,000 domestic violence calls to the police. And around 5,000 women worldwide will die as a result of domestic violence. And Women's Refuge currently only has funding for 7% of these needs. But what has become more apparent to me as I work in this area, I guess, is the responsibility of you and I as the church to step up and bring hope to a community, um, whatever it may take. Because the reality is very few of these women will ever make it into services. And so it's actually our responsibility to go out to them you know, in our individual spheres of influence, there is need. And the challenge that I have, and I want to extend it to you also, is to be continually asking ourselves, who in our lives needs our support? Who needs for us to be brave, to show love, and to go beyond ourselves? To ask that hard question, to reduce the isolation, and be prepared to act. And that might look like going to someone's house and having a cup of tea. It might look like looking after children. It might look like 
encouraging someone or um, encouraging them to seek support or seek help elsewhere. Because it's actually not okay for me to be buying ethical clothing, but not reaching out to those in my world who are in need. And often we can feel paralyzed by the amount of need in our world when we start to become aware of it. And it's like, well, what, what can I do? What, what difference is me going to make? But Jesus is the answer. He's the ultimate hope. And Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. You know, every step, small step that we take in our own areas of influence will make a difference if we're all making those small steps together. Because imagine what an army of women who are making these small steps. Imagine how our world can be. I was sitting here and I was just figuring out why Rach asked us to come. Because we're wearing glasses and we look all four eyes. I'm the brown one, the most brown one. There's a half Samoan, so I've ticked that box. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm Tans, and it's probably a nice follow-on and um, from what Amanda and uh, Emma have said. Um, I just want to share with you briefly that um, uh, I'm in the police. I've been in there for 24 years, and when you heard about the statistics about what my people in terms of blue shirts go to, and, and one of the things that I God dropped in my spirit this morning, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm just saying, just calling it real, because it's never about us. I got you, God. I got you. Um, so I, I would, I, I said to him, I said, okay, what is this? There's a verse that he dropped in my spirit. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you is that, you know, um, there's always opportunities for us to do something, and we're not alone. And Matthew 11:28 28, he dropped in my spirit and saying, you come to me, all who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I'm like, and I will give you strength. So as a police officer, I work in a um, at the police college, so I get to train some of the police officers. Boom, chakalaka. Is that the best thing? I get to be up here and going, hey, you fellas need to be changing the world. Change your heart, change your undies, change your mindset, whatever you need to change. Because we've got a, we've got a community out there that is hurting and we need to bring hope to. And part of me is about, um, you know, leaning on that verse and saying, hey, you know, Psalms 46, 10, you know, you need to just shush your bush. and I mean, shush your mush. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm bad. Are we a woman in here, eh? I'm sorry. Shush your mush. Okay. And I just want to say that, you know, you, okay. <laughs> wrong move, wrong move, Rach. And lean on me because be still and know that I'm God and I will give you strength. I will give you the words. And I think we just need to be courageous and have that Marian spirit and, and just really say, God, I don't understand where I am. I don't understand where you've placed me, but I know that it's bigger than myself. And we're able to bless like woman's refuge. We're able to bless. We have to bless others, you know. If it's a smile, if it's, if it's a hug, if it's that, that's somebody and that's so significant. And we need, to, we need to not underestimate what God is doing with us. Ordinary for woman, up here, you know, just to share our hearts with you. So as a police officer, seeing that, you know, you know on the street, on the front line, um, I just felt God protected me over, you know, the years that I was in the, the police, and I'm still green, 24 years, and God still placed me. He has positioned me into some higher places. I've just been at the, around a table where you've got the commission, and, and I'm sitting here going, God, what, uh, uh, your favor, you're my girl. Just do what I need you to say. And one of the things that I just want to quickly share is that I found in my spirit, I was so nervous. You know when that's that heart beating and you're like, you want to run away the other way? That's when you need to suck it up and go, okay. So we're sitting around this table and we've got, that's a sec second tier of, and there's me, the, the JB, the junior girl, the junior boy. And I'm like, God, why have you got me in here? Just listen to my, I just found it clear. You need to, my heart's like, oh, you need to pray. And I'm like, and you need to ask the chair to do that. And I'm like, they don't pray. They're the police. They will eat you up. They will, they will crouching tiger. Short story is that I said, excuse me, chair. Um, you know, there's assistant commissioner, commissioner, assistant commissioner. And I said, my heart's beating. I said, w w would you mind? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I like that. Would you mind? Marion Spirit, I got you, girlfriend. <laughs> Fist pump. I was like, excuse me, chair. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm trying to be cool, but really it wasn't like that. 
And I said, um, would you mind if we set a karakia for, for that? And they go, and he was a Christian. So God's placing our generals in, in amongst us. And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, uh, this is a funny story. And he goes, yes, can you say the prayer? And I'm oh, I did not expect that. And I'm like, so would you mind if I said it in Samoan? And he goes, yeah, diversity, because this is what we're bracing in, in terms of serving our communities, our mamas out there. So we did. God is good, and he's so faithful. And when you are doing the wanna, Jonah and you want to run away, he will, he will just say, be still and know that I'm God. I will give you the word. So that's the burden in terms of the challenges that I have in my, and I bet you most of you have some of those that you carry. Don't underestimate the nurses that are in here, the doctors that are in here, the mamas that are in here, the neighbors that are in here. Don't underestimate that where God has put you. You don't have to be a police. You don't have to be that, but he is positioning each one of us to do something. The, the question I have, will you step up? Will you have that, Miriam Spirit? Will you step up? Thank you, Jesus. All three of these girls said to me, why did you ask me to come up here? Because they're awesome, yeah? They're everyday women who know who they are, they know what they're doing and what their call is on their lives. I had a conversation with a friend of mine um, with coffee this morning and I just said, you know, I feel really cynical. Sometimes we do these things, we give a gift and we drop it off at Women's Refuge and we say, yeah, I've done my bit. It's real easy for me to buy some shampoo and drop it in a bucket. But I really want to you know, do something that's a bit more long-term and partner with them. And he said, and I just said, but you know, I just don't, I just, don't, I just don't have the time to kind of get my head into that space and figure out what it is that they need and do that kind of thing. And he was so wise, and he just said, you know, um, maybe that's just not where you're called to be. He said, there is plenty of stuff that you can do where you are as you're walking. It's just working with what you've got in your hands. When Jesus fed the 5,000, someone didn't run out and order pizza for 5,000. There was a little boy standing there going, I've got this loaf of bread and some fish. He's just had what he'd got in his hands. That's what they used, and that's where the miracle happens. So I really encourage you, don't stress out because you have to go and organize a protest across the city. That young woman who organized that protest across the city about rape culture probably started with a conversation with her friends. That's where it started. She didn't go, I'm going to organize this, co- this protest, and it's going to be amazing, and Paula Bennett's going to pop out from the, from the beehive, and she's going to rock it, and then Kevin, what is his name in the opposition? He's going to do his thing. That wasn't in her plan. It's just how it all rolled. Yeah, so... You know, be encouraged and be brave and be strong and be Miriams and be mamas and be midwives. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, thank you, team. As Karen's coming to the stage, I just want to um, ask, are you ready for more? Yeah. That's good. That was a good response. I don't have to draw it out of you. Hey, um, Pastor John and Karen have planted a phenomenal church in Christchurch. They... Um, just are amazing leaders in our nation. Um, their church is having international influence. Pretty cool. Karen is an amazing speaker. You may have heard her last year at Equip Her. And also, if you were at X Churches New Zealand National Conference, you would have heard her there as well. Amazing, amazing to have a phenomenal woman speaking on the platform to our nation of leaders. That's Karen. And personally, she is someone that I look up to, literally. (laughs) I don't mind. And, you know, she is someone who, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. And she is my iron. And I reckon she will sharpen you today. So I am very happy to hand over to you, Karen. Thank you, Chrissy. Have a seat. I've got something funny to show you. Oh my god, 
We all need hilarious friends. Hey, this is really high. Did you use this last, Chrissy? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, God has set you up. Oh, he has. He has set you up. Could we have that first picture? We went to South Africa last year as a family on our sabbatical. And this is my, my, the males in my family holding a snake at the snake park. And I've got next picture as well. That's my daughter with a snake around her neck. Now, where was mum in this scenario? Mum was very far away. And they would say, Mum, come, just feel the snake. Just feel it. I'd be like, I don't want to feel a snake. There is nothing inside of me that wants to touch a snake, let alone have it wrapped around my neck. And when we went to the Kruger National Park a bit later, my, my dad said, if anyone sees a snake, I will give you a thousand rand. Now, that sounds impressive, but when you convert it to dollars, it's not that much. But everyone was looking for snakes because you, you don't actually see them all that often. They're around, but they hide, and they're very clever. And then we went to a place called Akrabi's Falls, which is a desert, and it's snake heaven. And I'm walking along a path, minding my own business, and I stepped up onto a ledge that was about this high. And as I stepped up, I saw this black thing dart away from, from me. I levitated. I levitated literally like five meters. And there was this black snake. I've got a picture. This black snake. Yeah, can you see? Yeah, yeah. Wriggling away. It was long. It was big. And my brother-in-law... He walked over to see what type of snake it was. He wanted to go and get as close as he could to the snake. I was like, I just want to be away from the snake. Just get me home now. They're real. Because when I'm in the vicinity of snakes, the first thing I want to know is where is the anti-venom? How far away am I from a hospital that contains the stuff necessary for me to stay alive, right? This is, this is a good thought. Do you know that the serum in the ven of the anti-venom contains the actual venom of the snake? It's bizarre, eh? They're, they're, the snake that has bitten you, they inject that into you, the same thing, and you get better. There was a, a case in an uh, Amer American doctor who was helping with the Ebola um, outbreak, and he got the, he got the disease. And he said there was one vial of serum left. And he said, no, no, give it to someone else. So he assigned himself to death, really. And what they did is they found someone who had survived the virus. And they took his blood and injected it or transfused it through him. Because the blood of the guy that survived contained antibodies and had a resistance. And so he ended up surviving. That's what anti-venom does. Pretty amazing. Now, I have no interest in snakes. I don't know about you. No interest whatsoever. But I've had to become interested in snakes. I've been required to understand their slithering. I've been required to understand how they bite and how they wrap around you. I've been required to find the fire that drives out the vipers. I've been required to understand what happens when they bite you because I've seen it happen to so many people and I've had it happen to myself. Now, some of you might be sitting here and you go, who is this idiot? We live in New Zealand, I love New Zealand. I love that you can walk and not worry about anything biting you at all. I hope you know how truly blessed you are. But I also read in my Bible that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You all know that. And so I know that one of the ways that the principalities and the powers appear to us is in the form of a snake. How did Satan first appear to Eve? In the form of a snake. They take that form and they attack us. 
And when they do, you know what I start to hear from people? I start to hear, I don't have any vision. I start to hear, I can't hear the voice of God. I start to hear, I once was so intimate with God, but now I'm not. I start to hear that the very breath and the life that God gave me, it's now being squeezed out. And Karen, I try to get more of God in, but I just, it's like I can't, I can't breathe any more in. And I start to hear people go, I've got these strange things happening with my body. And the doctors look at me weirdly. And my interest in snakes started a few years ago when a girl came to have prayer. And she, she said, Kieran, I once was on fire for God. I once knew his embrace. I once knew the intimacy, but I'm feeling so dry. And I'm feeling like I have no voice. And I'm feeling like I can't breathe in. So I started praying for her. And I said, do you know what I see? I see like a snake wrapped around you. And so I started to investigate the scriptures. And I started to go through the Bibles. And you know, through the Bible, there's just, there's pythons, there's vipers, there's leviathans, there's cobras. All through the Bible. And so I want to unpack this for you this morning because I've got to a place where I've been going, there must be a cure. There must be some way where we can get rid of the snakes and they don't keep coming back. And you know what I discovered? Is that I'm actually not the first person to ask this question. Surprise. There was a guy who lived many, many, many years ago. His name is Jeremiah. And he was a prophet, and he asked the exact same question. And we find him in Jeremiah 8. The nation of Israel had been sinning, and God was getting angry. And so he says in Jeremiah 8.14, I will send these enemy troops among you like poisonous snakes you cannot charm. See, basic snake strategy, basic. Level one, is sin in our lives attracts snakes. Now, when I know that there's something going on in my life, I'm like, but I have no sin. What could possibly be within me that would attract a snake? Because we could start thinking like that. Do you know that Jesus said, he said, Satan has no power over me because there's nothing in me that is the same as him. So Jesus lived totally, totally pure. So when something's attracted to me, there must be something in me that is the same as the snake. You get it? That attracts the snake to me. They will bite you and you will die. I, the Lord, have spoken. So sin attracts it. Then they bite you or they start to wrap around you and you start to die. Now you're not going to... That, we don't see people falling over in New Zealand from, like, snake deaths. But what happens is you start dying spiritually. Your heart starts hardening. That breath starts being pulled out of you. Your vision starts failing. Your voice starts to lose impact. And then Jeremiah steps in. And Jeremiah has empathy. He is empathy deluxe. This is Jeremiah. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem? Where is her king? I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and I'm overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of the people? Because the third phase you find yourself in is you're going, nothing's going to change. I feel so captive. Is there any medicine for me? Is there medicine in Gilead? Is there a healing? Because Satan wants to put you in a place where you think there is no cure. Because if there is no cure, you will stop and you will sit down. And give up. And the very nature of snakes is to find your quitting point. It's to find your quitting point. 
Is there no medicine? And so I got to that place. Where is the medicine? Where is the medicine? And this morning I want to unpack this for you and take you on this journey and show you the anti-venom. This morning I want to take you, I want to take you to the cross and then through the cross. And I know that God's going to, as I'm speaking, I know he's going to start removing scales that have been over your eyes. I know that the ears that have been clogged and there's generations of wax that have built up there that God's going to bring, bring a hearing. You want to come with me? You sure? Some of you are skeptical. We'll get rid of that snake as well. So I started thinking about this, and I started asking this question, and I was led to Numbers 21. Now, I've never understood this passage. It's always, it's amused me slightly. What's happened is, in Numbers 21, is the Israelites have followed Moses out of Egypt, and they start to complain. And so God sends snakes, and they get bitten. So we pick it up in Numbers 21.6. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here, nothing to drink, and we hate the horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. See, pride attracts snakes. We read all through the Bible, Psalms says of the Israelite people, he made the waters stand up like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud. At night, with a light of fire, he split the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He brought streams out of a rock. He caused waters to run down like rivers, but they sinned even more against him. They rebelled. They tested God in their heart by asking God for food of their fancy. And Hebrews and Psalms and Corinthians all, say, all talks about how they hardened their heart, how they lost the, the, they lost the memory of their salvation. They forgot. Now, we can stand here. We sit here and we go, those flippin' Israelites. What the heck? Like, if that was me, how can you forget, like, water's part? Jeez, sort out your crap. <laughs> Yet, there's this other bit of us that is so quick to forget our salvation. So quick to forget what God has saved us from and all the amazing things he has already done. And we start looking at where we are and we're going, why is this taking so long? Why is this not going the way I thought it should go? Why are they doing that that way? I wouldn't do it that way. Why is she wearing that? Why? And slowly... We take our eyes off God and we start looking around and we start moaning. Because the pride in us has risen up. Pride hears the whispers of deception. It would have been better back in Egypt. My life would be better if I wasn't at church every Sunday. Church takes so much time. Yeah, $40 is so expensive. First reading of a snake is in Genesis, where it slithers over to Eve. And that's the nature of snakes, eh? It's deception. Deception. The snake doesn't bite Eve, bites her thinking. It gets into her system with suggestions. Did God really, really? Did God really say that? He comes against the knowledge of God. See, he comes against what you know about God. And he goes, does God really, really, did he really say that about you? And then your circumstances seem to confirm the deception. Oh, yeah, God must not care. Oh, yeah, those promises I heard. Yeah, I'm just going to. I'm going to actually take ownership of this area because God seems to not be doing anything. 
and the lies come, and the lies come, and the lies come, and slowly we make agreement. You can't be that. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? You can't become that. And there's fear and intimidation and insecurity. See, pride, the pride that is inherent inside of us, listens to the whispers of deception, and our heart hardens, and the venom gets in, and the venom gets in, and it permeates, and we push away the embrace of our Father, and we go, I can do this. And every time you say, I can do this, I'm going to take this, that's pride. So pride attracts the snakes. And it says in Moses, in Moses, it says in, where are we? Numbers. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned. They didn't say they had sinned until they started dying. Aren't we like that? Like we wait till we're in really deep trouble. And then we're like, oh yeah, there's this stuff going on in my life (laughs) that I might need to talk about. But up until the point when we're really in trouble, it's like, how are you doing? Good. Is everything good in your life? Yeah, it's awesome. It wasn't until they were dying. Trouble makes us honest. We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Why would you speak against God and Moses, the very people who are sent to save you? Like, that's like killing all the paramedics and then having a car crash. So there's no wisdom. No wisdom at all. And they say, pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. Wait, wait. You have just spoken about me and moaned about me, and now you want me to pray for you. That's why not everyone can be leaders. Because as a leader, sometimes you have to suck it up and go, okay, I'll pray for you, even though you have hurt me. I've got this one person in my life who keeps coming back, like keeps coming back and back and back. I go, God, why can't you just take them to another country? Why do they have to keep coming back? And every time before they come back, about two weeks before I see them again, or they get in contact, is I have a dream. And I go, and then, and then they'll ring or whatever. I'm like, oh, surprise. And God's like, pray for her. I'm like, you pray for her. You saved her. I don't want to pray for her. We made your life miserable. (laughs) But pray for us. So Moses prayed for the people. He prayed that the Lord would take away the serpents. And when we're in that place where we know we've been bitten by a serpent, all we want is someone to pray for us. Help me. Help me, help me. I don't know what's going on, but help me. There's something in our hearts that cries, help me, help me. You're sitting here now even, I hope she prays at the end of this, because I need help. Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. Moses is praying about snakes. He's asking God to take away snakes. And God says, make a snake. Now this is what confused me. Because like, why on earth would God do that? Why make a snake? And it says all who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze. Don't overlook that. Moses made a snake out of bronze. That means he would have had to get bronze and start beating it and beat it and beat it 
and beat it into the shape of a snake. In order to make a snake of bronze, you have to take the bronze and beat it. This is what Isaiah talks about when he says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. Moses lifted up a snake that was beaten so the people who were bitten could be healed by what was beaten. The beaten healed the bitten. The beaten healed the bitten. If you've never been bitten, that means nothing to you. Yeah, oh, cool. But if you've been bitten, the fact that something was beaten for you and that you could look up at it and know that instead of dying, you could find life and wholeness and healing, that means something. He attached it to a pole. Then anyone who is bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Why would God make him beat out a snake? Why not something holy like an angel or a cherub or a love heart? Why a snake? Why a snake? Snakes are wicked, and they're slithering, and they're cursed. See, the anti-venom is interesting. The anti-venom given to you when a snake bites you contains the very venom that is killing you. Like, who figured that out? Have you thought through that? Oh, you've been bitten by a viper. Hey, let's take the viper and let's milk it and put the venom in you. Should we try? Let's have a go. Like, you've got nothing to lose and the world to gain. Like, how did they figure that out? What is killing you will heal you. You would think God would use right versus wrong, good versus evil. He would send out little snake ninjas, kill the snakes. But he uses evil versus evil. In a world tormented by, by snakes, in a world tormented by sin, do you know, they, they sent the law. God sent the law and said, hey, if you follow the law, your soul will be saved. But the law couldn't do what the law couldn't do. The law couldn't change this flesh. And so God had to send something in the shape of what he was trying to save us from. He had to send Jesus and beat him into the shape of the very evil that, we, that, we were, that, we, that he was trying to defeat so that he could bring an anti-venom. So Jesus came in the form of sin. What does sin look like? It looks like me. And it looks like you. And that's why when he was hung up on a cross, we could look at him. And all the venom that he took on the cross, all the venom that he took, became an anti-venom through his blood. God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh in the very shape of the thing he came to destroy. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. When you are bitten by a snake, the anti-venom that heals you 
is the very venom that bit you. Okay, stay with me here. Stay with me here. Okay, this is, this is going to get good. Okay. When you are bitten by a snake, the anti-venom that heals you is made from the venom that bit you. That means that the same thing that brings the curse brings the blessing. That's why the Bible said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's why the Bible says, what Satan meant for evil, I will turn around and use for good. Because whatever bites you will make you strong if you survive through it. Whatever bites you will become an anti-venom. Jesus became sin to save the sinner. And so now I can stand here and say, I'm so glad I was rejected. I'm so glad I went through the processes. I'm so glad all of this happened to me because I stand here with an anti-venom inside that no one can touch but will bring healing. It will bring healing. What have you been bitten? Where have you been bitten? How have you been bitten? What, what is suffering? Your vision, your, 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 your voice. Tanya, your voice. Your voice. Bring it back. When Goliath came down to fight David, he brought his sword because he was going to kill David with that sword. The very thing that he brought down to kill David with, David turned around and cut off his head with. See, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue which rises up against me in judgment, I shall condemn. That is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Jonah, 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 can you go to Nineveh and preach repentance to the city? Jonah, uh uh-uh. Mm-mm, I'm not going there. The very venom that made him run away, that pushed him to the lowest point in his life, the very venom that made him be swallowed in the belly of the fish and cry out for repentance was the anti-venom that God took into a city that an entire city would get saved. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Aaron, Aaron is dancing naked around a golden calf while Moses and God are up on the mountain getting the law. And God says, I want one man, one man who is able to come into the Holy of Holies and worship me on behalf of everybody else. Moses, who is that guy? You see that dude dancing naked, getting his freak on around that golden calf where the venom has bitten and he's worshiping something that is not me? I'm going to cause an anti-venom to course through him, and he will be the one man who will walk into my presence. If you make the Lord your refuge and you make the Most High your shelter, you will trample upon lions and cobras, and you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Jesus was the anti-venom. He became sin so that we would know the righteousness of God. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Peter, Peter, I'm going to use you to start the spread of the gospel and build my church. But before you do that, you're going to deny me. While I'm hanging, while I'm, I'm being, I'm being, while I'm in court and I'm hanging a tree, you're going, to, you're going to be swearing that you don't even know me. But that anti-venom that caused you to deny me, that venom that caused you to deny me, I will take and make an anti-venom that you will now engage and accept with me and, and tell the world. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Paul, Paul, who belonged to the brood of vipers. 
Paul, who had the viper sitting around him, the religion, the tightness. Paul, whose venom spoke hatred. Paul, I will use you and I will take that venom of hatred and turn it into an anti-venom of incredible grace. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. See, a tender heart can embrace a city. A tender heart can embrace a town. A tender heart can be the Miriam whose voice is heard. But the heart has to be free from the snake, from the snake. And he will constantly bite your heel and you've got to constantly be crushing his head. See, no one can embrace a drug addict like someone who's been a drug addict. No one can embrace an alcoholic like someone who's been an alcoholic. No one can embrace the depressed like someone who has been depressed. No one can embrace the divorced like someone who has been through a painful divorce. No one can embrace parents like someone who's become a parent. No one can embrace the raped and the abused and the molested like someone who has been raped and abused and molested. No one, unless you've walked it and you now carry the anti-venom. God makes joy out of mourning. He makes victory out of defeat. Barren things that the devil used to get you, God turns it into something beautiful. Could I have the band up, please? How about you stand with me? Ladies, some of you are not seeing your past correctly. Some of you are not seeing your past correctly. All the times that you were crying, all those times that you were crying, God was making anti-venom. He was making anti-venom. He was making a cure out of me. He was making a cure out of you. God uses survivors of the snake bites to make the anti-venom. Whatever you survive, whatever you have survived, you build up an immunity so that you can turn around and embrace the woman behind you that is going through the same thing. Is there no medicine in Wellington? Is there no medicine in New Zealand? Is there no medicine in Masterton and in Whanganui? Is there no medicine in the lower hut? Is there no medicine? You survived divorce. You survived violence. You survived loneliness. You survived depression. You survived rape. You survived mistakes. You survived willful sin. You survived despair. And in Job 26, it says, His Spirit made the heavens beautiful and His power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all that He does, merely a whisper of His power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power. If there is a God in your life, ladies, you are to demand a recovery. Because the devil is a liar and he says there is no cure. Well, I say there is a cure. And you are to demand your vision back. You are to demand your breath back. You are to demand the passion and the life and the enthusiasm back. You are to demand your voice back. 
You are to demand your healing. You are to demand that that snake gets stood on under your feet. You've got to rise up, Lord. You've got to rise up. I've got to get up. I've got to get my joy back. I've got to get my health back. I can't be stressed every day. I can't be rushed every day. I've got to get some snakes off. I've got to get some snakes off. So we're going to do two things this morning. The first thing I want to do is I want all of us, just for a moment, if you would close your eyes, say, Jesus, where is the pride in my life? Because remember, snakes are attracted to pride. And so if we can get a hold over pride and we can keep laying that down, God draws near. So Jesus, where is the pride in my life? And let him whisper to you. And right now together, pray after me. Father God, I come to the cross. I come to the cross. And I lay down my pride. And I lay down my pride. And name the area. Go on. In this area, I lay it down. Jesus. Father, we're sorry for forgetting the joy of our salvation. We're sorry for forgetting everything that you've done in our worlds. And starting to take and we, we're sorry for trying to take control. And in Jesus' name, I speak to the cobras who are whispering deception, to the ears that have been stopped up for generation upon generation. And I speak a clarity to the hearing. All the pride, get all the pride out. And now what we're going to do is we're going to start worshipping. And as we do that, if you know you've made agreement with a snake and it's bound you up and you're in that place of saying, Karen, I need someone to pray for me. There's no hope. I can't feel. It's not going to change. Then I invite you to come forward and we're going to pray for you. If you feel like your vision is lacking, you feel like it's gone, if you feel like the softness in your heart has become hard, if you feel like you try to breathe in God and every time you try to get more of Him, there's something there that just stops, just stops, just stops, then come forward. If prayer life is dried up, come forward. If you've got crazy lower back pain, then come forward. We're going to worship for a bit. And then we're going to pray.